Welcome back, everybody, to the Deeper the Sunday podcast. This podcast exists to be an extension of Grace Church San Diego's teaching on Sunday. I got somebody giggling over here to my <laughs> left. We got a new member on the podcast today. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, everyone. What's up? Um, I'm Sierra. I'm the youth director here. Howdy. Say your last name so we all know how to say it. Oh, we've been saying, you, what's, got, your, what's your guess? Uh, so in my head, this makes no sense, but in my head, I always say Sierra Escargot. I don't know why I say that. <laughs> I think it was Close? something from, uh, what was that show way back on, on Nickelodeon? There was somebody named Escargot. Anyway, Escargot. go ahead. Uh, that's not how you say your name. I don't want to guess live on the podcast. It's Jovanovich. 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 What yeah. is it about to be? It's what about you- to be Bessie. <laughs> Bessie. Somebody actually told Jacob that it's going to switch to an e- They're like, oh, she's getting an easier last name. <laughs> Way easier, yeah. Getting married soon. Congratulations. Um, who else is with us today? My name's Josh. I was the preacher this Sunday. So, full disclosure, I didn't even get to listen to the message, guys. How sad. So, I am uh, along for the ride with everyone else this morning, all the listeners. Um, but it's going to be a good podcast. So, let's go ahead and roll the theme song. back so during the break uh sierra looked around and was like where's the theme song it didn't play <laughs> movie magic here sierra um, i was expecting josh to sing to us actually you, did, you thought we did it live yeah. like mm-hmm. we had an orchestra i thought it here. just like no i thought it just went you know like auto did you know that you can go to the shell and see a movie where they play the soundtrack live with a I, okay with an i only know that because i went and saw boys to men at the shell Really? Is that the same and, place they do the Harry Potter one? Uh, yeah, they were promoting okay. Star Wars, Harry Potter, um, where the orchestra will play the soundtrack while you watch the movie. How cool is that? And if you're That's lucky cool. enough to have a kayak or a boat, apparently you can just like swim up or paddle up to the shell and is listen shell to it for free. By the Humphreys? Like, because can't you do that at the Humphreys? I think so. I think so. Anyway, okay. podcast. We are on a podcast. I forgot about that for a second. Let's start off with our favorite. Uh, segment on the podcast, and that is Gen Z recap. Sierra, <laughs> can you recap John 4, 5 through 10? Okay, recap John 4, 5 through 10. Well, basically, Josh talked about the woman at the well. I think this is probably a pop- popular story. I feel like a lot of people have heard it before, but Josh took an inter- interesting take, which I have never heard before, and he talked about um, it through the lens of worship. And basically that Jesus is the true worship leader. Um, and so how do we respond in spirit and in truth? And uh, that's all I got. No, but you, you, you missed the heart of Gen Z recap. We want to know what, who was the woman? What was she doing? What happened? Come on, <laughs> recap. You got too deep on us, Sierra. No, I was trying to just like skate, what, skate by. What about, what about all the <laughs> listeners who have never heard the story? We got to recap. It okay. I told you I, I was going to take to, it like, easy I'm afraid to get too close to this mic. Like, no, you think people can hear my breathing? Close. impossible to get too close okay okay let me pull out my bible woman at the well okay so here we have this woman who is out in the hottest part of the day hopefully probably to not see anybody um so that kind of makes you a little suspicious of her like why is she out there by herself you know and jesus comes up to this woman and back in samaria it's not really known for like men to go talk to women right the jewish men to go talk to them. So Jesus seeks her out, which is something really cool. And he just tells her some things about her and basically tells her that he's the Messiah. 
and um, encourages her to follow him and that he's here to save her. And she goes and back to town and shares her testimony. And that's, is that what I'm getting at? It's good. Very good. A plus? <laughs> A plus. Awesome. So um, the kind of the, the way that, as Sierra mentioned, you talked about this story through the lens of worship. So, of course, we should, on the podcast, talk about 90s worship music. Right? Yeah, I tried to give like a history of worship briefly because okay. I have been a worship director in my past. And so I got the privilege of seeing the transition from hymnals to like overhead projectors to PowerPoint, now to media shout, then to pro presenter, like nobody. This is We're going to go deep into the cultural Christian <laughs> archives. There'll be a few that today. appreciate okay. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that, that, and then I talked about the songs that changed the world, like Shout to the Lord in mm-hmm. 1994, really like changed the game, followed by Trading My Sorrows, which was one of the first songs you like clapped in church. I could sing your love forever, which was like one of the first songs where you just sang the chorus over and over and over mm. repetitiously. Uh, then moving into uh, just a couple fun facts about worship. Uh, the most uh, streamed Christian song on Spotify uh, of all time is How Great Is Our God by Chris Tomlin. Uh, such a banger. Such a banger. Yeah. 75 million streams. Wow. And then the song with the most consecutive weeks on the top 40 is... Uh, Hillsong's Oceans mm-hmm. with nearly four years uh, on the top 40. Another banger. We, I mean, Grace had its Oceans era for sure. If Spirit Chelsea lead was me. here. Yeah. <laughs> that bridge. Chelsea would speak yeah. to Oceans for sure. We oh, sing yeah. that a lot. Yeah. That's great. Um, so how does that all tie into, is, is that just a, kind of a fun uh, attention getter in your sermon or is there something deeper there that you wanted to talk well, about? Well, I, I referenced a quote by Gordon Fee that says, show me your church's songs and I'll show you their theology. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's true of like the world, like show me the popular worship songs and I'll show you popular theology. And so I was trying to just get us to start thinking about the worship space and then move into the story of the woman at the well. Uh, but that quote is important to me because I think what you sing matters uh, as a worship leader, I, I remember reading a book by Bob Coughlin where he said the job of the worship leader is to put the gospel on people's lips week after week, put the gospel on their lips and pray that it makes its way to their heart. And uh, so so for us as worshipers, we should be mindful of what we're putting on our lips. What are you singing? What is it saying? Uh, because what you sing can, can inform your theology uh, more than even what your pastor's preaching sometimes because songs are... They're memorable. So I saw a video in our uh, all staff group text of the youth singing in a brand new room. Can you, was was that like a special moment for you? I saw some tear emojis. Oh my gosh. I actually had to hide in the back because I was like, I'm just going to weep. There's just an echo in that room. And it's probably the first time in, I would say like maybe almost two years since I've been on staff that I have actually heard the students singing and a lot of it is we're in a bigger room. So it, it doesn't carry, but it was just something about me and John, actually one of the leaders, we were talking about it. Of some makes you feel like you're back in the early church of just like mm-hmm. the acoustic and the like walls were vibrating. And it's just, you just hear everybody praising God mm-hmm. and just the voices. And there's just something magical about that moment. Like when you hear voices, even when we do a worship night, or I love it when like a worship leader just kind of is quiet and you hear everyone else's voices or you like, if you're standing in the back, you see people with their hands raised and surrender. And there's just something so beautiful and precious about that moment of you're just like, dang, this is just a glimpse of heaven. Yeah. 
So I've got a question. So I, I was able to listen to a little bit of the message. I jumped in and out. Um, Josh talked about the emotion, the head versus the heart. Mm -hmm. So in, in that moment specifically, did it matter what they were saying to you or was it just the, the feeling like, do you even remember what the songs were or was it, yeah. did it transcend more than the words? I would say there's a little bit of both of, um, so we were singing lion and the lamb. Um, which is for our listeners. Can you sing a couple bars oh for gosh, us? Josh. No, no singing. That's the most um, cringeworthy thing. Our God is a lion, make. the lion of Judah. He's roaring in battle. That, that's fighting song. Yeah, there you go. Every knee will bow before him. Very good. There Very it is. good. She did it. Thank you. Sal, I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I would say there's a little bit of both. There's, you know, first, like you're kind of caught in like a state of just like being overwhelmed by hearing the voices and there's something magical about that atmosphere and the wall echoing, but then to pause. And like you said, and like, I think the quote that you had, let me pull it up. The one you just read is that you said, your heart cannot love what your mind does not know. It's a Jen Wilkin quote from yeah. a, a book, women of the word, which should just be called people of the word. It's a, it's a book for <laughs> uh, women who are wanting to study the Bible, but it's powerful. But when you know, like it, just if your heart doesn't know or your mind doesn't know Jesus or you don't know what he's done for you, I feel like those songs you can look around and you're like, okay, why is this moment so powerful that you can miss that moment of mm -hmm. like what the lion and the lamb, like why are we singing about a lion and a lamb, you know? Um, and it becomes more powerful when you know what you're singing yeah, and you can equate what your mind knows to your heart. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that answers it. No, this is good. There's a, there's a change that's happened like – Practically, we were singing hymn books, and now we sing uh, to overhead projectors. If you look back on the the way songs were written in 1700s, they followed a template of uh, creation, fall, redemption, restoration, which is like a big overarching meta template of uh, the the meta narrative of the Bible. So the first the first verse of a song is always about creation. The second verse is how we've fallen. Uh, the third verse, nobody ever sings. You skip the third verse and you go straight to the fourth verse. <laughs> Dude, I remember we would sing and the director would like raise her hand, like what verse are we going to sing verse, next yeah. out of the hymn? <laughs> it was always one, two, four. Yeah, like, one, two, four. Yeah, God bless we, we don't third, got time for that. Third verse. Uh, but the fourth verse is always about heaven. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shine, amazing grace, it's, it's heaven. Um, how great thou art. Uh, fourth verse is about heaven. First, So there's a, a way that... You even sang the gospel songwriters, the Wesleys um, and, and others would write in that way. Now it feels like, and this is this is a little uh, pro probably too too vague and too broad, but it feels like we have this like battle breakthrough victory thing happening in most mm -hmm. of the songs we sing, where we're going through something, and uh, God's going to get us through it. We're going to get a breakthrough. We're going to see a victory. He's going to do it again. You know, these, these sorts of things. Um, and, and that's very different than what they sang about back in the day. Uh, we sing a lot about identity where, uh, in the 1800s, nobody was talking about identity in Christ. It just wasn't a theology that was talked about. And now we sing a lot about who we are in Christ, uh, and so, or who you say I am God. So just even being mindful of like what you sing matters and, and we don't sing a lot of hymns because they almost don't fit anymore, which mm -hmm. I think they fit. Let me mm -hmm. say that. But sometimes it's hard for us to go there because they feel so different. Um, it, even the song you were just beautifully singing a second ago. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's we're in a battle, but good news. The Lion of yeah. Judah is on our side and he's going to 
win it for us. Um, it doesn't say. By the way, I'm a fan of the song. I'm just. I was a little nervous. You I, no, I'm just vamping. I'm just. Like, I'm oh, just. Here we go. It's I'm like asking us to be mindful. That that's it. Uh, it doesn't say our God is a lion, the lion of Judah. Yeah. Uh, he roars in battle, but we're going to lose this one. Uh, <laughs> we're we're being defeated, mm-hmm. and it's okay because in this trial, he's he's good, even though we die. Like that's not the song. Yeah. <laughs> the song is we win. We always win because God always wins and uh, the best is yet to come. And, and that sort of thing is happening. Uh, Can I ask you a question? Yes. So why do you think, or how do you think like worship has lost its way in that of creating those main strong, like I think of like Elevation and Bethel and all of those ones. How do we as listeners or worshipers know how to navigate through that. Does it make sense? Yeah. Um, I come from the camp that would say, judge every song based on its own content and, and be cautious about the church. The song came from, because I, I think these, there's a few four churches or so that are writing a lot of the songs we sing. Hmm. And if you go and start following their pastors, you just, I would just say, be cautious uh, about that and judge each song on its own content. Um, otherwise you really couldn't sing anything. If we had mm-hmm. to sing from perfect people, uh, one of my favorite songs, Come Thou Fountain of Every Blessing. It's written by a guy named Robert Roberts, which is just what a name. When your last name is Roberts. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, you're going to tell me he was a racist or something? No, no, no. It's <laughs> from, uh, no, just like your last name is Roberts and your parents are like, we're having a son. We're naming him Robert. Jokesters. <laughs> Robert Roberts. A lifelong joke. Um, Poor guy. And so it, one of the lyrics in there is uh, prone to wander Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Uh, Older songs would talk about ourselves negatively. Mm -hmm. I'm prone to wander. I'm prone to mess up. We were listening to Inside Out, the old Hillsong song. A thousand times I fails till your mercy remains. It's just rare that new songs talk about ourselves negatively. New songs tend to talk about ourselves really positively. Mm. And, uh, and I just think that's a difference that we, we got to be cautious of that. I'm not saying talk about yourself negatively. I'm just saying judge every song based on its own content. Be cautious of the church it comes from. And then be weary of how much you're doing in the song. Like I'm doing this. I'm, 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 me, me, I, I versus what God's doing and singing who God is. And if you start to think like that, it'll just mess with all of the songs you listen to. Mm-hmm. And so it's, but it's important. Uh, what you sing matters. It changes you. So be considerate of your songs. And it's not like these songwriters have gotten a grant to just write songs. They're trying to make, they're trying to sell albums, yeah. right? And so yeah. albums that make you the the bad guy or the one who's broken, mm-hmm. they don't sell albums, totally. right? Yeah. The consumeristic thing is fascinating. We're mm-hmm. in the mid nineties. No worship song was on the top 40 and now eight out of 10 of the top 10 songs right now in Christianity are worship songs. Just go look at the Billboard top 10 Christian songs. Eight out of 10 are worship songs. So that means there's money to be made in this market. What are, So for myself and the listeners who don't know, what would a non-worship Christian song be? Either like uh, some rappers uh, have okay. a song or uh, Lauren Daigle. Like she's just a mm. contemporary artist. She has a song. Um, I think like for King and Country, which are they Christian? <laughs> I don't know. I think so. I don't know. Are they like a need to breathe? Yeah. So there's those are the others that are gotcha. on that kind of list. Um, think of like for old school, like a DC Talk, a Mercy Me. A, yeah. You wouldn't uh, sing that in church. Yeah. Those aren't typical 
worship songs uh, versus like the Passion Band or Elevation or Bethel or Hillsong. Like those type of songs are the worship songs. When you said Mercy Me, I'll just tell a story real quick. Give us a break. I got hired to shoot a 50th birthday party. And it was in Cincinnati. This is back when I lived in the Midwest. And Mercy Me was playing a concert after the Reds game. And this lady was so high up that she got to meet the band afterwards. And her son was like, oh, I love this song by you guys. And he kept naming uh, Casting Crowns songs (laughs) to Mercy Me. That's Casting Crowns. He's like, oh, well, I really love this one. No, that's Casting Crowns too. He did it three times. I was dying. It was the best (laughs) just to be a fly in the room there. But. Mercy Me has the uh, I Can Only Imagine song. So that was yeah, that was the big blockbuster. Beautiful, beautiful tune. Um, be careful what you sing and be careful to mix up your bands. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, that's you gotta have a lot of. Oh, that poor guy. That. Did they respond back? Like, did they say anything? They were cool. They, he was like a teenager, right? Uh, they, didn't, they didn't care. He's just it trying was, to be cool. It was just a funny moment. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So let's let's stay light. And you want to talk about some controversies? Some worship song controversies? Yeah, for the people who were born uh, Christian, who listened to Christian music growing up, what are some What are some of the big ones, Josh? Take us through. Okay, when you start being considered of what you sing, you'll realize there are people out there that are heavy convictions about certain songs. Um, I think about the song, How He Loves Us. The original author uh, wrote, When Heaven Meets Earth Like a Sloppy Wet Kiss is the lyric. Yeah. And uh, I don't know how that I don't got know how past I feel the about editors. That. <laughs> uh, yeah. His name is John Mark McMillan. Could you imagine us yeah. singing that at youth group? He, he wrote that. Okay. Uh, David Crowder takes the song more mainstream and changes it from, from that to when heaven meets earth, like an unforeseen kiss. Uh, so uh, again, artistic liberties being taken to be more digestible to the people. Um, Reckless love is a highly controversial worship song. Uh, again, I, I'm not saying that I'm saying this is just, uh, is God's love reckless? And so you have people that are like, yes, it is. And there's others that are like, no, it's not. Uh, oddly enough, it comes from Tim Keller's, <laughs> the brilliant, uh, maybe maybe the single most helpful theologian of a generation mm-hmm. in a book called Prodigal God, which may be his best. And he's written so many wonderful things, but Prodigal God is so beautiful. Uh, he, he says that God's love is reckless that a father wouldn't give half of his inheritance away to his son. He wouldn't wait outside, wouldn't throw a party. All, all of that seems reckless. So mm-hmm. Corey Asbury takes that, writes a song about it. But all the reform guys, big trouble. God's mm-hmm. love's not reckless. He's sovereign. He's got providence, you know, so trouble yeah. there. Um, I think about an old school song uh, is called Above All. Uh, this is too old for you guys. Keep them coming. Um, I'm getting educated here. <laughs> I like it. Well, above all, do you know that song, Sierra? No, I don't. Okay. Maybe it's, I do. It, if you, can is, you sing a couple no, I bars? No, I refuse. I'm retired. No, come on. Um, you did so, you did it so beautifully. A, the, the chorus of this like is like, like a rose trampled on the ground, you took the fall and thought of me above all. So mm. the crescendo of the chorus that you sing over and over is that Christ was crucified, trampled on the ground uh, like a rose, and he thought of me above all. And you go, is that is that true? Like, was Christ thinking about us above all mm-hmm. in his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, and you go, uh, like, be careful. Uh, I, I think he's probably thinking of God's glory, of the reconciliation of all things, of the consummation of the new covenant, like all of these really big, beautiful things that downhill benefit us and, you know, save us and 
resurrect us, but to say we are the center of the mind of Christ when he's reconciling the world is a little far. Mm-hmm. Um, but did the songwriter have that in mind? Probably yeah. not. It's it, just in general, that, in, when you talk about Christianity, that's just a tough thing to balance because you hear all the time, everything for God's glory. It's all for God's glory. Yet we are his prized possession. Like yeah. we are his offspring. We are the, the love of, so yeah. How do we hold that intention? It's hard. It seems like it's more difficult than just a song lyric, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it takes a, an entire life of living it out. I think the principle is just like a healthy weariness about anything that puts me at the center. That's that's probably all I would like advocate for is, is a healthy weariness of, of anything that says I'm singing about what I'm doing. Uh, I'm going to see this victory. I'm going to raise my hallelujah. I'm going to do, I, I would just say a healthy skepticism of that. And then a wholehearted approach of like, God, you are, uh, this is a hard truth, Jeff, but like God is for God. Mm-hmm. God is for God's glory. God is for, and in so doing, that is really good news for us. Uh, because if God wasn't for his own glory, who else would you want him to be about? Mm-hmm. Certainly not me. Can I ask kind of a heavy question? This is a podcast. This is literally the place for it. <laughs> okay. Fabulous. <laughs> She's new. This, yeah. this is something that I've been thinking of, I think, even throughout this whole series and something that you had talked about in the last podcast and I had the question and then think, hearing you say that now. I have had friends who have walked away from their faith um, of this like lack of self-confidence thing of like relying solely only on God and that mm-hmm. in that you're like, well, what do I do? You know, where, where's the, does it make sense? Like where's the balance of, I still have to work my way to do things or there's this level of like, I can do it, but also a surrender of trusting God. And so like in that, where is the balance? Where's the balance of still being yourself and being who God created you to be? And then also living in that sweet surrender. So does that make sense? Yeah. Oof. Um, sorry. Okay. <laughs> Usually, I, okay. So here's what happens. Usually I ask the question and then if Josh needs to t- some time to think, he'll say, Nicole, what do you think? <laughs> you completely screwed us oh, up. I'm so sorry. Jeff, what do you flip, think? Flip, flip, Nobody flip, cares flip. what I think. <laughs> That's not true, Jeff. We just, we, we just need care. a little like, you're, we'll be right back music. Like, <laughs> Jeff, you're a man of the people. Everybody loves you. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Go Josh, answer it before I sorry. say something. All right. Um, this is a, I think this is actually connected to the sermon. We didn't plan this. Uh, but the first point that Jesus tells the woman at the well is like, you're thirsty. Uh, and you're thirsty for more than you realize. And and you're trying to quench that thirst with your husband. And you have mm-hmm. five husbands. And the guy you're with now is not your husband. And so he's sort of doing this uh, slow unfolding of saying, I'm the only one that satisfies. And if you can get that clear which is very difficult in the work of your whole life because lots of other things quench our thirst. But if you can believe that Jesus satisfies, then that is the safest foundation for you to build your identity off of and to build your self-confidence off of. And so it doesn't detract from your self-confidence to say, my life is about God's glory. He's good. He's worthy. It's a, it's a weird mix to think the more I get confident in who God is, the more I know who I am. And the more I can be assured in who I am, the more assurance I have in Christ, the more assurance I have in myself is a counter-cultural belief. Because mm. the world is saying, you look within yourself, you find mm-hmm. your truth, you find your design, you find you, 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 you. And, and so uh, the, the current gospel is look inward 
to find yourself. And the biblical gospel is look upward to find yourself. And that's challenging. Yeah. Uh, it's really challenging. So anybody struggling with their own identity or their own self-confidence, uh, this sounds strong, but I would actually say there's some something to do with God. You need to deal with God about that thing. Um, not saying he's going to fix it tomorrow. I'm just saying wrestle with the Lord about that. Don't try to find it within yourself. Uh, that That's actually going to make you, that's salt water. It's going to make you more thirsty. Mm. Uh, but it's a real temptation. I do it. You do it. We all do it. Totally. It's hard. Mm-hmm. We have an equip class coming up. Um, we're getting ready for the equip fair. And one of them is wrestle with God. Yeah. Which I don't know who the genius was that put the Nacho Libre <laughs> image. Incredible. Have you seen it's it, Steve? Steve Gregory. He's my uh, uh, he's my daughter's so Awana. Steve came up with that. <laughs> yeah, dude, I love him even it's more. It's incredible. Oh my gosh! So if anybody like Sierra's friends are struggling with that, I think that's a good class. That's a good one. Even just the thumbnail alone. It's good. Nacho um, Libre. Okay, so let's talk about this idea that uh, nobody doesn't not worship, yeah. which is a great sentence in itself. Basically what you're saying is we all are going to worship something Mm. and it's going to be God or it's going to be something else. Um, Did you get into that in the message at all? Yeah. It's from a book called Unceasing Worship, Harold Best. Uh, He says to be made in the image of God means that God in the Trinity is continually outpouring love, joy, peace, all the fruits of the spirit. And so God is outpouring therefore we being made in his image are continual outpours the the problem is we've been affected by sin and therefore sin makes us worship the wrong things worship our identity worship our bank mm-hmm. account our reputation our family uh, pleasure comfort all these things um, and we can't quite turn it off like you can't seem to make it stop and and he's not advocating to make it stop he's advocating to send it to the source that can actually satisfy you so I, I don't know. I think people, I made a joke. This is probably a rude joke, but I was like, most of the guys that don't sing at church are the same guys that cheer the loudest at the Padres games. Yeah. <laughs> That's a rude thing. I don't mean that to be rude. I'm just saying like, don't pretend you're not a worshiper because you don't sing worship songs for 20 minutes on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Like you cheer. Like I was emotionally invested in the Dallas Cowboy game last week. <laughs> for about 10 minutes before it got out of hand. Like the Packers put them away quickly. And I was like having to be mindful of Christ. Because <laughs> I was so dis- – this was our year. This was the year for the Cowboys. We've been saying that for a while since the 90s. Yes. And I thought about the Eagles too. Yeah. The Eagles, they 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 were way better than they played. We got obliterated um, by the Niners and we just couldn't come back. It's real. So, okay, fantasy football, real football. Uh I, I'm not hating on it. When I go watch Boys to Men at Rady at the show, or when you go to Coldplay at Snapdragon, which was mm-hmm. this summer, mm-hmm. I'm not hating. Like, you're worshiping. It's awesome. Are you kidding me? Like, I'm just trying to say, pick your eyes up to see that that's because you're made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. The reason Chris Martin of Coldplay can sing uh, Fix You, which is like one of their best deep, beautiful songs, and you almost feel like you're being transported to another world is because you're made in the image of God, not because Chris Martin is a great singer, which he is. Uh, And so just like realize that. And then in the moment of singing, fix you with Chris Martin, realize only Christ can fix you. Mm. (laughs) Like, can you do both? Mm. Can you appreciate boys to men while saying, thank you, God, for the gift of music, the gift of the ocean, the gift of this experience together? Um, 
and they're singing. Boys to Men is singing, not God honoring <laughs> lyrics. So be careful out there in the streets. Uh, but like, pick your eyes up is all I'm saying. I love that you just picked Boys to Men because you went really to the not concert. Sure where you're going with that? The most, <laughs> yeah. most awful music. Straight rated X trash. <laughs> And also, and also just irrelevant. And it's also, 2023. Yeah. Oh, you 2024. Yeah. <laughs> it's like sorry. That's like a more yeah. recent band. Yeah. Probably yeah. like Jonas Brothers, right? Yeah. They can make it a comeback. Or what's the main? Ta- Taylor band? Swift is. Oh, Taylor and Beyonce put on the largest concerts we've seen this mm-hmm. this millennia. Um, I'm going to start talking about Dave Matthews Band while we're at it. I've seen Dave twice at the Gorge in Washington, and it's a worship service. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also a, a very Highly medicated, sir. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty easy to feel close <laughs> to your spirituality when you're ripping bong hits. Yeah. Oh, goodness. <laughs> a, anyway, okay, so you, you brought up a good point that I wanted to ask about. When you're at the concert, whatever it is, or when you're at the steak dinner with the nice wine, or when you're at just these things that we would consider secular activities, yeah. if we take the time to say, God, you are good. Thank you for letting me experience this. Does then eating dinner become a an act of worship? I think so. I, I would, by the way, I would classify all this as third bucket. There's some people listening right now that can't believe their pastor went to a Boys to Men concert. Can't yeah. believe I would talk about Coldplay. And I, I understand. There was a season when I threw away all my CDs. Do you guys have that in your Christian life where you threw away all your CDs? My mom weren't? did. Mine was my books. Okay, yeah. So we've all had the seance where we mm-hmm. burn things. Um and then we bought them back <laughs> slowly. It's like an Arrested Development yeah. when they have the CD burning party and they think they're burning CDs like from MP3s, oh. like making new CDs in a computer instead of burning them in a fire. Anyway, go ahead, Josh. I love Arrested Development. Um, I, I, again, be careful out there. Be careful. Uh, also, all truth is God's truth. Uh, everything that is joyful and glorious and good is God's common grace to us. So yeah, it, it can make something as simple as dinner uh, transcendent when your mind fa- fast, like don't eat for three days and then just like take a bite of a hot dog, Any, like anything. <clears throat> I picked a hot dog. Yeah, that, don't wrong, say wrong thing. We okay. were just talking about how gross hot dogs okay. are. That's actually maybe fits but the illustration. But my wife, the vegetarian said, but they taste delicious. Okay. She admitted it. As, uh, as a bottom of the food chain mm. type food. <laughs> um, if you haven't eaten in a couple days, that first bite makes you feel the Holy Spirit like you've never felt him before. So I'm just saying all that's available to us. You're, you're outpouring all the time. Most of us are worshiping our phone. Most of us are scrolling. If you look at your time, you're like five hours a day on your phone. Oh my yeah. goodness. Some of that's music. Some of that's, you know, directions. But like, just be mindful is probably what I'm advocating for. Uh, you're worshiping. Just what are you worshiping? Is the question. Yeah. So when I scroll on YouTube shorts for an hour at the end, can I just say, thank you, God, for <laughs> inventing YouTube? I think you say, I'm sorry, Lord, <laughs> for what I just did. First. <laughs> But I, but you made me in your image, and I do love you too. Yeah. <laughs> so help talk me, to you again tomorrow when I do it again. Help me redeem it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right now, um, in youth, we're reading through the book of Ecclesiastes, and I feel like that's basically Solomon's main main point in that. Right? Is everything without a kingdom mindset is meaningless. Mm-hmm. Like he's watching the people of Israel do all of these things and chase all of these ideas of happiness or things that are going to fulfill them, mm-hmm. and he keeps saying like the first the first 
thing you read is meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. And you're like, dang, Solomon, what's happening? (laughs) But it's true. And and what does it look like for us to change the way that our idea of what we chase after, the things that make us happier, relationships, Mm -hmm. idol like other idols or things like that, um, and instead have a kingdom mindset or a heavenly one? It's the battle of your life. Um, I think Solomon being rich and wise, he's trying to warn us, but the rest of us are like, I would, this is Nacho Libre. I would like a little taste of the glory. <laughs> see, what like. see what it tastes Expensive like. Expensive creams and yeah. lotions. <laughs> yeah. I just have that picture. Well, yeah. We don't believe Solomon and uh, we don't believe Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that that's the battle is believing, man, this is, uh, if you you guys have probably been on a nice vacation or done something luxury wise, and yeah, it's fine, but it's also it doesn't sustain. The satisfaction doesn't sustain; it goes away. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not to diminish luxury things and to say they're bad. My dad and I are like uh, we were talking about: can money buy happiness? And there's mm-hmm. the joke of like money can't buy happiness, but it can buy jet skis. <laughs> you, ever, you ever seen someone unhappy on a jet ski? <laughs> yes. So it's it's a give and take. Okay, great transition. Um, one of the things you said in the message was most of us are not on a truth quest. We are on a happiness quest. Expand. We, we're looking for joy. Um, mm-hmm. And we're, we're seeking it in all kinds of things. And we don't even care if they're hurting us, like mm-hmm. if they're untruthful, as long as they make us happy. And we talked about some silly stuff about Every time I get an Amazon package, it makes me very happy. It does. Costco (laughs) makes me very happy. If I'm depressed and just go walk around Costco for a while, I feel better about myself. Especially when they're giving out free samples. Oh, yeah, man. If you're hungry and you get like (laughs) – you can get a little taste of real food then go get a little snack and go get a little treat, go get something to drink. It's like all of that. So that that idea is – it's, it's hard to believe. This is from Jonathan Edwards. John Piper talks about this. It's called Christian hedonism. Hedonism is the pursuit of pleasure. And these guys wrote that uh, God is most glorified in you when you're most satisfied in him. And so it is very difficult to believe, but it, it will transform your life to think uh, my happiness is only found in the presence of God, intimate with God, standing before God. Right standing before God, like I just, I don't mean to sound hopeless here, but I, I think that's just one of the hardest things for us to believe is mm-hmm. that uh, what what will increase my happiness in life is increasing my happiness in God. Mm-hmm. It's hard to believe because then you're like, how do you do that? How do you increase well, your happiness? Well, that's what I was going to ask. Like, I understand that you know the way of the kingdom is the the source of all joy and peace and the fruit of the spirit, but I think when it comes down to it most of us are wholly unprepared to what does that mean? What does that mean to say, cast all your cares upon God? Or what does it mean to talk to God about something who rarely speaks? Right. I mean, there's the Bible and there's, there's all these unknowns. Like it's just this wild, magical world that we are expected to live in. And I just think people are quietly unsure of what to do. Yeah. I think, and, and we're expecting like a worldly type response. Like if I went to my dad and said, Hey, I'm having a problem. He would give me advice and I would yeah. take the advice and do it. Yeah. We don't get that with God often. So what do we do? I think sometimes we do get that response from God, but we're often too busy 
trying to figure it out, figure it out ourselves that we don't allow him the space to move. We don't allow the space to listen and to be patient. A lot of it is like we have an expectation or a timeline or something that we're trying to fulfill. And we're like, okay, God, like if it happens at this time, then like I know, but rather God has a perfect timeline for us that that one thing that you're asking for or needing is going to happen five years from now, or it might look be completely different than what you think you need. But I think we can get so wrapped up in our own ideas that we put God in a box and we don't give him his chance to move. Can I ask you a hard question? Yeah. Can you give me a specific way, like the actual tangible thing that happened when you said God answered my question in whatever timing it was? Yeah. Was it you just knew? Like, because to me, it, it all happens in our brain. Nothing that happens to us happens outside of our brain, right? That's the one way we get things. So for you then, how did God... Um, answer your question? Um, I don't know if this is maybe what I'm getting at, but I would say like for me, something that I worshiped probably the longest time, even before I was a believer, what I found my identity in was relationships, whether it was like friendships or romantic relationships, that was what I idolized more than anything. And I put that as like my end goal. Um, and when we became, when I became a believer, God literally like pried my hands off of these things. And for the like five years, my whole community was um, this amazing group of women, but they were all getting married. And I like one after one after one, and I was the single one the whole time. And every day, even when I was a kid, my 11-11 wish was like, bring me my true love. <laughs> my birthday like candle wish was like my true love. Like Thank even you, before. Disney for that. Like, I'm sure that didn't Oh my help. gosh. I was like hopeless. <laughs> and um, even still when I became a believer, that was what like my prayer every single night. It was like, please Lord, like this is what I want. And there were moments that I was like watching all my friends ha- have these really happy moments and it just got lonely. And I even asked myself like hard questions, like maybe this is not what you have for me, Lord. Like, okay. And so, and in that I had to have a real conversation with myself of like, you know what, his will is going to happen and his will be done, but I have to stop trying to figure it out on my own and like go on dates and try to make these guys who they are not. Um, and in doing that and like actually living in surrender in this like absolute bliss of being like, okay, Lord, I trust you. I met my husband. Mm on a time that I was like not preparing to at all. And well, my future husband, he's not my husband yet, but. (laughs) And so that then was confirmation that you were making the right choice. You you were doing what God wanted you to do. And then he gifted you with a. 1000%. It was, but it was, I think the aspect of just surrender, the moment that I like in my heart and in my mind and just like every part of me was like, okay, God, like I'm giving you your space to do what you are going to do. I'm not going to do it on my own anymore. Like, I'm not going to figure it out for myself. You are in control. And he could have not, like, it could have not happened. But I I think also there's a quote, like, the desires of your heart. Proverbs. Uh, Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. heart. And there's ways that you can take that and take it out of context. But I think that was something that, like, was such a deep desire of my heart that was, like, a gift that he was like, okay, like, you've been faithful. Mm -hmm. This is good. I think... When you talk about being happy in God, um, I don't know if it's always the response he gives or like the Q&A with God. 
I think really practically, joy is found in obedience. If you want to be happy in God, obey God. If you're not obeying God, you're not going to be happy in that area. If you're disobeying God with your finances, you're going to feel joyless in your finances. If you're disobeying God relationally, you know if the Spirit lives inside of you and it's convicting you and you're, you're just disregarding the Spirit, that's going to lead to unhappiness, joylessness. Uh, and then secondly, I would say living for others brings joy. Uh, the, how, how do I increase my happiness in God? Uh, am I obeying? Am I living for others? Those two things right there um, radically counteract everything American radical individualistic, self-centeredness, and even some worship songs sometimes, not always, can uh, predominantly communicate to you, which is you do you, you find you, you unlock your own magic. Uh, friends, that's a recipe for joylessness. Mm. If you want to be joyless, <laughs> yeah. if you want to have less joy, do what's being told to you on social media. They are using you for their joy and it's not working for them either, but they're using you. If you want to find more joy, obey God in the hard things. Sacrificially obey Jesus. Sacrificially serve others. And sh- I-, I maybe would add share the gospel, which is where this text goes. Uh, and First John says, "Make my if you want my joy to be complete, you'll share the gospel. And so I just think you're not going to find, if you reverse engineer this and goes, who's the most joyful people I know? They probably obey God. They probably serve others. And they probably talk about Jesus. And you're like, what, why do you, what do you have? What's the secret? It's like, that's this, it's a, uh, we used to joke. It's like, it's not complicated. It's just hard. Yeah. Have you guys met Jordan Frisbee? Yeah, she probably she serves others, obeys God, shares to a T. You meet her and you're like, how are you the most wonderful person on the planet? Like you just radiate yeah. joy. And it's because she just worships Jesus. It's like, it's so simple and so difficult. It's like, have you ever seen Westworld, the show? It's like, they go to this world where there's just robots. It's like they programmed her to be just joyful and <laughs> happy. Jordan. That's all she yeah. has. Jordan is a Westworld robot. It's like, oh, hi, yeah. And she's all shaking her head. It's like infectious to be around. It's yeah. great. It's uh, it's earnest. And then you walk away feeling joyful too, just having been around her. Uh, in John 4, the woman has this powerful engagement with Jesus. And then she just runs into the city and says, come meet this guy. Like that's told me everything about me. And so on Sunday, I tried to say most worship sermons stop at the singing part Mm -hmm. when really the connection in the story is worship leads to mission. Uh, If you are satisfied in Christ, then you're unsatisfied that people don't know Christ and you make it your mission to share with them because of what you've experienced. And so uh, just like we talk about things we love, like it's not hard to talk about things that have transformed you or that you love, or if you try some new diet and it actually works or some vitamin, like you're like going to tell everyone in, in the same way Jesus is like that for the woman at the well. Uh, but usually we stop at singing and we don't get to the mission part. Yeah. What, um, what is Grace Church providing to its members that will help them in obeying and serving others and sharing the gospel? Because we got a lot of people coming on Sundays. We're about to talk about three services. What do we What are we giving them? Yeah, this Sunday, like five and a half to seven minutes of my sermon was the the big announcement of going to three services. Um, it's exciting. Yeah, it's uh, I have found myself lost in the logistics and not being as excited as I should be about God's favor on our church. Uh, but we're going to eight thirty, ten, and eleven thirty starting February fourth. 
Um, I think, sorry, go ahead. you make it easy to be excited based off of what you said on Sunday. You said like, let's make room. Yeah. And I think that humbles like all of our hearts of like, let's make room for what God is doing here in our church. And let's celebrate that with everybody in the city, in the world. Like it's, that's what makes it exciting. Yeah. We're doing all this work around the campus. All these apartment complexes are going up and we don't have any room for people at church. So uh, we need to make some room uh, in our hearts and in our building, literally. Mm -hmm. Uh, The, the stuff we provide, I think hearing the word of God teach on a Sunday, going to an equipped class, singing together, like none of those is standalone. None of those is more important than the other. But if you put all those together and you do that in community, I think you have a chance to increase your joy and to be transformed. Um, I talked about corporate worship on Sunday. Like it matters. Like if if you only go to church 20 times in a year, that that's very different than going 50 times in a year. Uh, just what that does to you, to your spouse, to your roommates, to your friends and family. Um, it's an important piece. So I hope people prioritize Sunday. I hope they prioritize house church, which is a friend making environment. And then if you're in a huddle, I hope you prioritize that because that's where you obey, uh, in, in much more accountability, uh, which Sunday can't provide that, but a huddle can. And Lord willing, a third service allows more space for more house churches, more huddles, more people. Cause that's not the goal is we're not trying to get more people here on Sunday. We're trying to get people to live on mission in their own Mm -hmm. neighborhood. Exactly. So it's just a, it's a step to the end goal of house church and huddle. Yeah. And as we increase our joy in Christ, I I think we'll see Christ increase our numbers in our environments. Um, Because joy begets joy. Joy attracts people. Um, If we had 700 Jordan Frisbees, that would be a very (laughs) attractive environment because of her, her, just the way about her. So, yeah, or Tira's. Yeah, the evangelists. <laughs> Next week, if you would like us to say good things about you, you can email us at grace or podcast at gracesd.com. Jordan, uh, we expect payment you, for girl. this, everything that we said. Or if you'd like us free. to roast you, you could send it. <laughs> yeah, that's even more fun. Even Do more a fun. roast. Um, okay, good. so practically uh, 8.30, 10, and 11.30, coming up on February 4th, uh, we're asking people to go to the early and late services. If it ends in a 30, you should be there. Yes. And I would guess if you listen to this podcast, you're one of our all in people who we're talking to you. Yeah. Let's do that. And, um, you're probably already serving, but if you're not, we need people on first impressions and kids. Correct. 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 Um, I would just say the, the response to the church has been really beautiful. Um, no one, not that no one has concerns or questions, but the posture towards it is, um, We'll do whatever it takes. We want to see more people come to know Jesus. We, uh, I, I think the vibe is like, this isn't about us. We're not mm-hmm. promoting us. Uh, we're, we're making room for the city to come and hear about Jesus. And that's pretty easy to get behind. Uh, even for myself to like present that to the church, I don't feel like I'm marketing. I feel like I'm just saying, hey, let's make some space. Uh, people need to know Jesus. That's great. What does that mean for youth? Any change? Um, we're going to be hanging out at the 10 a.m. if anybody wants to come sit with us. And then the half hour before the 10, so 9.30 to 10, we'll open up the upstairs rooms in the gym. We'll have some games, some donuts, and then um, same thing for after service, so from 11 to 11.30. So if you have a student that's going to the 11.30 with you, you can send them 30 minutes before. If you're going to the 8.30, they can hang for 30 more minutes. Or if they're going to the 10, come early. You know, I've looked at our demo on Spotify for podcasters. 
we're we're not hitting the twelve to eighteen year old demo very well. You need to get you need to get on your people to start listening because you just said that you might as well just screamed it out into the ocean. None of your kids are listening to this podcast. Their parents are. They're yeah. watching yeah. Minecraft YouTubers Hi, Mom and Dad. or something. Yeah. <laughs> kids these days. Yeah. Listen, there. I think we're doing good. We're we're getting there. I'm a big fan. Big fan of the youths of America. Do you know all the lingo? Like, I just learned GYAT, G-Y-A-T. No. You ever heard of that? Truthfully, I think I am way behind in youth uh, lingo, and I actually rely on Josh to keep me updated on the social trends, <laughs> yeah. especially TikToks, wow. all of the things. Which is exactly where the youth want us to be. They don't want <laughs> us knowing what they're talking about. I've tried to use a couple of those words in some sermons, and the eye rolls I get are... <laughs> yeah. And they're like, it's totally stop, it. stop it. it. It's we, not. Yeah. It's for us. It's not for them. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's fun to embarrass them. I've only done it once in a sermon, like said something I shouldn't have. I even said it tongue in cheek and it still felt weird. So I, when I was preparing for my message yesterday, I literally wrote down one of the things was like, Solomon's got bad vibes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was practicing with a girlfriend and she's looking at me and we both started, started cracking up. I was like, vibe this check. is a youth Don't ministry. Vibe check. Don't vibe check the Solomon get together. <laughs> uh, guys, this has been great. I think you're trying to get a full-time job on the podcast here. Huh? You did wonderful. Great job. Thanks. Yeah, we, I didn't know how nervous you were. You claimed to be nervous, but I think you were sandbagging. I just I keep getting nervous that people can hear my breathing. I'm like <laughs> they can, it's fine. They forgive us. This is a church podcast. Thank they know head. how to forgive. Um, cool. Well, thank you guys again for your patience. I know this came Thanks out late this me. week. Uh, we're going to do everything we can to be back on our Monday schedule. Um, but if you want to complain about that or have a question or anything, email us at podcast at gracesd.com or DM us on our social media. And we will talk to you next week. Bye.